It's time with Pastor Mike Kessler starts now. This is It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship, home of CSN International, featuring Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River. Today, Pastor Mike is going to be teaching in the book of 1 Samuel. Located way back in the Old Testament, the books of 1 and 2 Samuel are the legacy that reveals the change from God-appointed judges over the people to the kingdom era, where the Jews are ruled over by a king both a departure from God's ways and a foreshadow of God's ways. With our study on the book of 1 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. Saul, who started off so humbly on really his coronation day, he was hiding out in the implements, the Bible says. Now he's so filled with himself and full of his own wrath and all that uh, his jealousy now is what is really, clearly is what is, is destroying him. And so Saul... Verse 11, sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michal let down David through the window, and he fled and escaped. And Michal took an image and laid it in the bed and put a cover of goat's hair for his head and covered it uh, uh, with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he's sick. And Saul sent messengers back to see David saying, bring him up to me uh, in the bed that I may kill him. And when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with the cover of goat's hair for his head. And Saul said to Michael, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he escaped? And Michael answered Saul, He said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? So she is basically saying here um, that, uh, you know, she kind of turned on him a little bit here. So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed at Naroth. And they told Saul saying, take note, David is in Naoth in Ramah. Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing a leader over them, that the Spirit of God also came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. Now, this is interesting because they were coming to arrest David to take him to Saul to kill him. They knew he was up hanging out with Saul and the prophets. And so here comes the messengers and the Spirit of the Lord falls on them. and falls. Now, this tells me something interesting. It tells me that a person can be used by God and yet not know God or be messed up. And I think a lot of times people misunderstand this. Now, in the New Testament, the Bible talks about the gifts of the Spirit are without reproach. In other words, God gives His Holy Spirit to people, gives them supernatural gifts. And because God's a good God, He doesn't take those gifts back. Now, what happens a lot of times, I believe, in a believer's life is, for instance, if it's the gift of tongues or maybe it's the gift of helps or, or maybe even the gift of miracles or something like this, that a person uses those gifts, but as a person backslides on the Lord, 
they don't pray in the spirit anymore, or they don't, they don't reach out and, 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 and maybe if God's given them a supernatural gift, they don't use it anymore because they're not walking with the, with the Lord anymore. And so, uh, that gift kind of goes into limbo or, and just kind of, uh, sets on the shelf until that person, uh, uh, comes back to the Lord. I, I also believe that perhaps there are some of these people that oftentimes that are legitimate faith healers, you might say, and they, uh, at one time walked with the Lord, God gave them the gift of healing. And then they got into it for money. They backslid, but yet they still hold their healing crusades. People sometimes still get healed, but it doesn't mean that they're necessarily right with God because God doesn't take his gifts back. Now, uh, they recently did a study on, on one of these faith healers, and they said that really they thought it was pretty much fraud because they didn't have one confirmed actual documented healing, even though this guy claimed to have literally tens of thousands of people healed. But I do believe that there is really these different gifts of the Spirit, and the gift of healing is one of them that really is. And we oftentimes will see people with these supernatural gifts do some pretty weird things. And that doesn't mean that God is doing the weird things. It's that God empowers the individual and, and does it. Because here's the problem. If God only used all of us, and if you don't get anything else out of this tonight, get this. If God only used all of us when we were walking 100% with him, nothing for the kingdom would ever get done. That's the truth. Because none of us ever walk 100% with the Lord like we should, do we? Now, there's a lot of self-righteous people going, oh, you're not talking about me. You see, they're filled with pride, so they don't even see how messed up they are. But the truth of the matter is, Paul said, as sinners, I am chief. He didn't say I was chief or I used to be chief sinner. He says, I am chief. And the reason why Paul recognizes that is because he realizes all good things come down from the father of lights. He is the one that does what the good things through us that God does. It isn't anything in ourselves. The Bible says no good thing dwells in the flesh. Now, what does it mean by that? It means left to ourselves, we would destroy ourselves and everybody else around us. So the only good thing that ever comes out of any of us is what God has done in us. Well, the problem is, is that God doesn't take those gifts back. We also find even Ananias, the high priest, who was anti-God. I I would actually say that because he was anti-Christ. And we remember, he said, it is profitable for one man to die for the nation. Now he was speaking that it's better for Jesus to die and keep a riot from breaking out than for uh, Jesus not to die and have this problem. But he was actually prophesying, speaking that it is for this one man to die, speaking of Jesus, to die for the nation of Israel. And even in Ananias's messed up condition, he was still able to prophesy the things of God. So I look at this, interestingly enough, is these guys coming up to arrest him. They were just probably soldiers, and all of a sudden they're prophesying with the prophets. The Holy Spirit comes on them, and all of a sudden they're worshiping and glorifying God and all these different things. They also prophesied. Verse 21. And when Saul was told, he sent other messengers. And so when they got there, they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. Now, a person would have to look at this and say, what is wrong with Saul? Why is it you can't see what's going on here? It is interesting to me. People have asked this question. Satan knows the Bible. We remember Jesus on the mount after he had fasted for 40 days. Satan came to him 
And he began to tempt him. And then finally we find Jesus, uh, Satan quoting scripture to Jesus. The scripture says, cast yourself down. And he said, the angels will bear thee up, lest I dash thy foot against the stone. Quoting out of Psalms. He misquoted the verse, but he knew enough of it to make it sound good to Jesus. That the angels will catch you if you jump off of here. And we remember Jesus rebuked him. Now, here's what's interesting. The devil knows the scripture. He, he knows, I mean, in the, in the spiritual unseen world, there's a lot of stuff that's going on that we don't even know about. And in fact, you, you read in some of these different books in the Bible, Daniel and some of these other things, and, and what goes on in the spiritual world is incredible. But the thing is, is somebody says, since the devil knows what the Bible says, And he knows, ultimately, he's going to be destroyed and cast in the lake of fire, which burns forever. And being that everything that's ever been written in the scripture has come true exactly the way God's word says, why doesn't the devil just say, uncle, give up and surrender? I'm glad you asked that. Because I believe it's simply the same problem that all of mankind has. I think it's the same problem exemplified here in Saul's life. And that is simply this. Pride blinds to reality. You talk to people that, that are living their life. Their, 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 their alcoholism is killing them. The doctor says, if you don't stop drinking in the next six months, you will die. And they'll walk out saying, I'm okay. I'm going to beat the rap on death. And the cemetery is full of people that never beat the rap on death. You see, when you say to somebody, life is short. We don't know when we're going to die. You need to make your heavenly reservation here. You need to repent and ask Jesus as your Savior. And they will look at you and say, I am God. I don't need Jesus. And you shake your head and look at him. What causes that? The Bible says that pride is the root of all sin. Isn't that amazing? The pride is that key ingredient, no matter what sin it is, and it is the very thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven. Now, you would think a created being that saw the entire creation of God, and the created being would look at who created them and say, I am greater than you, or I am an equal with you, is actually what Satan said. Um, And we remember that God removed his authority in heaven. He still has access to heaven, by the way. He's not living down in hell with the fire and the flames. A lot of people think that. Wearing a red suit and selling firecrackers on the 4th of July. Red devil. But the reality is, is that the Bible says he accuses the brethren day and night before the Lord. That's where he's at. We find it exemplified in the book of Job. If you want to look at that even closer, you'll, you'll find that Satan still has that access. And it's only when Satan in the book of Revelation there's this war in heaven, and he is finally cast out. He can no longer accuse the brethren anymore. This is when he comes down to earth, and he wreaks havoc on this earth. Because he knows his time is short. Now, it is, it is noteworthy, again, to me, that pride blinds people to the reality of their, of their eventual destiny. Satan was the same way. We find, we find Saul here uh, that over and over again, he sends more people to arrest David and they end up prophesying. He sends another group and they end up prophesying another. And what they were prophesying, they, they, who knows what, you know, glorifying, worshiping God, you know, and, and um, they weren't arresting David and bringing him back. Then he also went up to Ramah, came to the great well that is in Shakur. So 
he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Indeed, they are in Nahath, in Ramah. And so he went there to Nahath, in Ramah. There the Spirit of God was upon him also. (laughs) And he went on and prophesied until he came to Nahath, in Ramah. And he stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all day and all that night. Therefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? This is interesting to me. The power of God upon a person changes their behavior, friends. Now, this is a man that just before wanted to kill David because he recognized God's hand in his life. And now he's prophesying with the prophets. And, and you know, the Bible says it's, a, it's an awesome thing, a fearful thing, to fall in the hands of a living God. And certainly you see in this relationship that he had with uh, David, that God many times was warning him, getting his attention, and yet he continued to do this. Well, chapter 20, we're not going to finish the chapter, but I do want to read these few verses. Then David fled from Nahath and Ramah. And went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? So Jonathan said to him, By no means you will not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, there is but a a step between me and death. And so Jonathan said to David, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. And so it's interesting here that Jonathan was his friend in the midst of a very, very tough time uh, in his life. And so David said to Jonathan, Indeed, tomorrow it is the new moon, and I should not fail to set with the king to eat. But let me go that I may hide in the field until the third day day at evening. And if your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. And if he says, it is well, your servant will be safe. But if he's very angry, then be sure that evil is determined by him. So if you catch this here, uh, the new moon is one of the, the, the feasts that they would recognize. Uh, and And so it was a number of days. And so uh, he was to be there in this big feast. Uh, David didn't show up. Of course, the reason he didn't show up is he thinks Saul's trying to kill him. And so he says, if, if he doesn't notice I'm gone, um, or if he does notice I'm gone, then you tell him that I went over and, and uh, uh, had the sacrifice in Bethlehem with my family. And if he says, oh, okay, that's great, well, then you know that there's no more Ill, Ill harm in this man. And I think this is the reason why is I think David was always hoping for a change of heart in Saul. I think that's why he did that. Because you have to remember that he had prophesied with the prophets. He had torn his clothes off, which is a symbol of humility. And, and, and I, I believe David was hoping, 
Maybe God got a hold of his life now. Maybe, maybe he's changed. Maybe he's a different person. So listen, Jonathan, when the feast starts and my chair is empty, if he says, where is David at? You tell him this. And he says, oh, well, that's good. I'm glad he went to be with his family. Or if he says, I'm mad that he's not here. Then we know that this is really, he still has ill will towards me. See, I I believe he was really looking for Saul's repentance. I think he was looking for, to see that that there would be some kind of a change of heart in his, in his, in his prideful uh, behavior of the past. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant. And you have brought your servant into the covenant of the Lord with, with you. Nevertheless, if there's iniquity in me, kill me yourself. For why should you bring, uh, this, uh, bring me to your father? And so Jonathan said, far be it from you. For if I certainly knew that evil was determined in my father to come to you, then would I not tell you? And so David said to Jonathan, who will tell me or what uh, if your father answers you roughly? In other words, since the batteries are dead in the walkie-talkies, how, how are we going to know? Because I, I can't get near you to find out. Now, this is my paraphrase, but you know, how are we going to communicate? Well, notice what it says. Jonathan said to David, come, let us go out to the field. So both of them went out to the field. And Jonathan said to David, the Lord God of Israel is witness. When I have sounded out my father sometime tomorrow or the third day, and indeed there is good towards David, then I, and I do not send to you and tell you, may the Lord do to me and so much more uh, uh, to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to, um, if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and send you away that you may go safely and the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I, I still live the, and that I might not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of our, uh, of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan again caused David to vow, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. So he said, Listen, I know God's going to do something great in your life. And when he does, you know, don't cut our family off forever. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed, because your seat will be empty. And when you've stayed there three days, go down quickly and come up to the place where you hid on the day of the deed and remain by the stone of easel. And I will shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I shot at a target. And there, and, and there I will send a lad saying, go find the arrows. If I expressly say to the lad, look, the arrows are on the side of you, get them and come. Then, as the Lord lives, there is safety for you and no harm. But if I say thus to the young man, Look, the arrows are beyond you. Go uh, go your way, for the Lord has sent you away. So he's going, Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll shoot them alongside the rock if it's safe to come, and I'll shoot them past the rock if, if you keep going. So this was their way of communicating, uh, shooting some arrows here. Now, And as for the matter which you and I have spoken of, indeed the Lord will be between you and me forever. So David hid in the field. And when the new moon had come, the king sat down to eat the feast. And the king sat on his seat and the other times and on the the seat by the wall. And Jonathan arose and Abner sat by Saul's side. And David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything. 
that day, for he thought something has happened to him. He's unclean. Surely uh, he is unclean. Uh, That's what Saul was hoping. Because again, this was a religious feast. And again, because of that, something David must have done would cause him to be unclean. And surely he is unclean. And that's, of course, this is what you find Saul trying to find fault with David spiritually. And so that's why he's not there. It happened on the next day, second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why is the son of Jesse not come to eat either yesterday or today? And Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, please let me go for our family has a sacrifice in the city. And my brother has commanded me to be there. And now if I found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and go be with my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. And he said to them, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Now you can enter your own in there. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse, your own shame, to the shame of your own mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore send and bring him to me, for he will surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul his father and said to them, Why should he be killed? What has he done? By the way, this is what you see here is obviously... When, when the Hebrews would read Scripture, they would read it for three reasons. One, they would look at it in obviously what it said. Then they would look at it for the spiritual meaning of it. And the spiritual meaning, I think, is understanding the head games that people are in the same mindset as Saul is in, the, the, the heart and the mindset of David in this particular case, of Jonathan being caught in between, is trying to be a mediator. There's a lot of things. So there's, there's the, the obvious story, there's the spiritual part, and then there is the prophetic part of Scripture. And I, I certainly believe as we look at this, you, you see this, this intrigue go on. We also see it um, with basically the, the uh, lives of all those people who serve Christ and how they were oftentimes um, uh, protected supernaturally by just one person that would uh, stand up and be counted. And so he says, um, what has he done? Why should he be killed? Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him by which Jonathan knew that it had been determined by his father to kill David. Um, Saul was always chucking spears at people. Uh, just guy's temper was just out of control. And so Jonathan arose from the table in a fierce anger, ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. And so it was in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at that time and appointed, uh, at, uh, at the time appointed with David, and had a, a little lad was with him. And then he said to the lad, Now run and find the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad, lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And the lad had come to the place where the arrow was which Jonathan had shot. And Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, uh, Is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan cried out after the lad, Make haste and hurry and do not delay. So Jonathan lad gathered up the arrows and came back to his master. But the lad did not know anything, only that Jonathan and David knew of the matter. And Jonathan gave his weapons to the lad and said to him, Go carry them to the city. 
And as soon as the lad had gone, David arose from the place in the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed uh, three times. And they kissed one another and they wept together. And but David, uh, but David the more so. And so then Jonathan said to David, "Go in peace, since we both sworn uh, in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord." be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. And so they arose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. Um, What a tragedy that you see. And you understand that in a world that is filled with a lot of different motives and a lot of different heart and a lot of different feelings um, that uh, don't think it's surprising to you that if you're doing what God has called you to do, that you're not going to have people rise up against you and want to remove you and take you out and destroy you for really no reason. They, they, they try to find a reason, but there really isn't. And this is the case with David. They, David hadn't done anything, but yet they were trying to, Saul was trying to do this. And friends, I'd like to say that these days are over and gone in the Bible, but they're still around today. And you'll find that in your own personal life. It doesn't change. It, it, we find it at work. And you, you probably have people at your job sometime that hate you and you don't even know why they're angry with you. And I believe, again, it's because there's something deep down and dark in the souls of these people. And this is why they react and respond the way they do. And so as we look at this tonight, I pray that it encourages you, first of all, to know this. In the spite of these, you might even say, sometimes influential people being against you, God is still for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? You see, over and over again, every time that David, or maybe I should say Saul, tried to destroy David, David became stronger and stronger and stronger. And friends, I want to share this with you. God will do the same for you. Because God knows, because it isn't something that you did anyway. It's the anointing of God upon you as you walk in his footsteps. And that's where the power is. And if you don't think the devil's going to come against you and try to stop you and get you to run and give up, then you really don't understand what the whole Bible is about. You see, it's the battle of the invisible empire. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to invite you to grab the free podcast of its time by hopping on the iTunes store and downloading your own copy. If you like having the disc, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order for 1 Samuel. From Pastor Mike, myself, and all of us here at the River, thanks for tuning in to It's Time.